0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين اللهم أخرجني من ظلمات البعد وأكرمني بنور الفاء اللهم افتح علينا أبواب رحمتك بنشر علينا خزائنا علومك رحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين We've been studying different techniques that we can observe when we want to recite the Qur'an, something that can improve our understanding of the Qur'an, our actually encounter with the Qur'an. And the last point was, When you read the Qur'an, you should be able to imagine that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is speaking to you. Like we said, if you have a piece of paper on which something is written, and you don't know the author, or if you know the author, the author had nothing to do with you. For example, Either I don't know the author, or I know, for example, this is a philosopher who didn't know me, who didn't write this for me. He wrote it for general public. When I read this, it has nothing to do with me personally. Yeah? But if there is something written by a person that I have... Personal relation with that person, it becomes much more meaningful for me. Especially if I know that it was written for me. There are two things, okay. One is that you have a special n- understanding of that person. You have ma'arifa of that person. You know, ma'arifa is different from elm. We have elm about, for example, Aristotle. Yeah but we don't have ma'rifah because we have not lived with him. We have not been talking to him. You know, we don't know that much about him as a person. Okay? We don't have ma'rifah of him. Sometimes, for example, imagine your grand-grandfather was a great alim. He has written a book. Now you read this. You have some connection with this that I don't have. Yeah, because you know this is your grand-grandfather's book. But now imagine on top of that if it was written for you. Okay? So he knew you like your mother, your father, the author knew you and has written this for you. Either you alone or you as his or her progeny. Okay? For example maybe he had 10 children or 10 grandchildren has written for all of them it doesn't make difference that much the main thing is that you are meant you are addressed in this so when you know that person personally and you on top of that know that this is written for you and you are meant you have another experience When you read this text compared to someone who doesn't have this. When we read the Quran, we should have this understanding. This is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I have personal relation with him. He is my master, he is my Lord, He is my beloved. And he has meant me. We have said this before in earlier discussions. That Quran is not only talking to the first generation of Muslims. Quran is talking to all people who come. Even to all humanity. And we said we have the same right. The same share that the earlier Muslims had. You remember? So even we said there are things in the Quran that Allah has kept them for people who come in al zaman. So. If you have this understanding that this is from Allah, from your Lord, from your beloved, who has also meant you, two points, then you should have different feeling. Okay? You should have a different feeling. We have this hadith. uh, Maybe I read this hadith for you completely or at least the first part I read. I'm sure I read the first part, but I'm not sure. Whether I read the second part or not. In Usul Kafi, in Al-Kafi, volume 2, page 602. The first part is very famous. Qala Ali ibn al-Husayn alayhi salam. Imam Zain al-Abidin alayhi salam said, لو mat man bayna al-Mashriq wal-Maghrib, lamastaw hashtu ba'd an yakuna al-Qur'an ma'i. If all people between the East and the West die, I wouldn't feel lonely if the Quran is with me. So it means that the Quran connects Imam to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he will not feel lonely. Then after this, the narrator says, "Wakana alayhi salam. The narrator is Zuhari. He says, "Wakana alayhi salam. He says, Imam Zainul Abidin alayhi salam had this situation, this condition. Ida qara'a malik yawmuddin okay idha qara malik yawmuddin aur malik hai yawmuddin qara malik hai this qiraa needs mafool so is malik or aur Pardon? Oh. Here it's quotation, so the whole thing is maf'ul, not malik. So you should just keep it as it is. Although it is qara'ah, but the whole thing is maf'ul. So, so you shouldn't say malek. Khan alayhi salam, إِذَا When he was. Reciting Malik Yaumadeen, he was repeating that Hatta and Yamut. So many times he was repeating that it was as if he's going to die. And we have also in some other uh, hadith about Ahlul Bayt Ali Musalam that for example when they were reciting iyakana wa for example, they you know were repeating or they were imagining that Allah is you know there and they're talking to Allah or Allah is you know talking to them. So this experience that they had such intimate relation with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the quran is something that we can also learn it's not only for them the reason they were so much impressed by the quran so much enjoying the quran was in my understanding was that they were able to go beyond the text and imagine i say imagine because uh, I don't have a better word. It's not imagine in the sense of uh, only mere imagination. Because we cannot see God. Otherwise, if you say seeing of the heart, you can say see. So you can imagine or see by your heart that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking to you. So, somehow then the text disappears. The text connects you Then it disappears. Yeah? For example, when you are speaking over phone with someone, gradually your attention is focused on the other party, on the other person, and you don't bother about the phone and the line. The only time you bother again is when the line is not good. (laughs) If you cannot keep, you know... (laughs) hearing properly, then you say, oh, the line is bad. Otherwise, you forget the line. Yeah? When you are uh, speaking to someone that is very important for you, someone that, for example, you have been missing, and now you manage to speak over phone, phone and line and, you know, anything in between becomes insignificant. Although they are all involved. They are all involved. Or, for example, when you are using your glasses, okay, then you don't think about glass every time you are reading. The glass becomes insignificant. So when we read the Quran, we should reach the point that even the text becomes something very either marginal or something that can disappear And you can feel that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking to you. And the same is when we pray. When we pray, we say our prayer. Again, we should be able to go beyond what we say and think about Allah himself. Unfortunately, many times we are just stuck with the terms and with the words and with the actions, even if we have presence of heart. If we don't have presence of heart, even if we don't think about what we are saying. If we have presence of heart and we try to be focused, uh, still there is a great chance that we will only be busy with the words and the actions. But this is not enough in our Personal relations with people, we are not like this. When I am speaking to you, I'm not thinking about what I am saying to you as words. But sometimes, you know, in salat, especially if you are, you know, a person who doubts a lot about you know pronunciation or you know these type of things. So the attention goes away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anyway, this is a a point that we discussed last week and I wanted to continue and I hope inshallah Allah gives us this blessing that we would be read, able to read the Quran in this way something also I found uh, relevant and I want to share with you inshallah Allah helps me to clarify it it's a bit difficult to explain when we when we read a text like the Quran normally what we you know take as our approach to the text is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking to me, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching me, showing me, guiding me, and I should follow this. So, this is my Lord, my master, my guide, speaking to me. Here, I remain as I am. Okay? and this can sometimes be very limited i can be mr so and so who is born to this family who is for example citizen of this country has this mazhab very little and with so many affiliations that make you very limited so many you know types of relations that confine you but what we try, should try to achieve is try to learn from the Quran how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself is and how he looks at the things. How I can gain godly look. This is different. Maybe with some examples we can clarify this. Sometimes, for example, you have a a head teacher or principal or, for example, a great, for example, I don't know, uh, role model that gives some instructions. So you read and say, okay, as a student... I want to see what he expects from me, and how can I improve? Then you would only remain as a student who tries to be a good student. You would never reach the point that you can look at things and you can look at other students and the madrasa, the whole thing, in the way that he looks at them. Do Do you understand? There's a big difference. As a child, second example. As a child, you can see what your father or mother wants from you and try to be a good child. But this is not enabling you to understand the way that he or she looks at the family and your brothers and sisters and you. What concerns he has. Do you understand? So... There is a way that you can be a good child for that family, or you can become a person who is second to the father or second to the mother. These are two different things. You can be a good student, or you can be the second to the headmaster, to the principal. Which one you want? Do you want just to be a good servant Or you want to be khalifatullah. Khalifatullah is different from a good servant. Khalifatullah is the one who is able to look at things. In the way that the main person who is Allah himself. Looks at the things. Otherwise you cannot act as khalifatullah. Okay. If for example in an office. There are different sections. And you are a a staff, member of a staff, working in finance, for example. If you try to be a very good, for example, worker in the Department of Finance, this would not enable you to be the second to the general manager. It just keeps you a good person in that little capacity. With that outlook, you only think about your responsibilities in that department, and you try to be very good in that. But you don't know and you don't care. You don't think about other departments and about the general interest of the company. Even if you want, you are not able to do so. So for example, sometimes we have concern for Islam and Muslims. But sometimes, when you look at the things from the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at the things, then you would say, I have also other people who believe in me and are worshipping me. Maybe I prefer some of them to the other, but I have love and concern for all of them. Yeah? Or I have even love for animals. I have love even for plants. I have, yeah, for all my creation. If you can look at the things in the way that Allah looks at the things, you would be very different. So, if you want to understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to refer to the Quran. You remember we had this hadith that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has manifested himself in his book. I gave you maybe in the I, you know, One of the early sessions This Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has Manifested in his book For example He has shown people The way he knows The way he forgives His power So You can Understand through the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then after that, if you really understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you would be able to look at the things in the way that Allah looks at the things. You know, we have this famous saying, الله, try to acquire the traits. Of character that resemble Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How do you want to do that? The best way is Quran. Because nothing like Quran can describe Allah's akhlaq. Okay? How Allah looks at the things. How Allah judges. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves or dislikes. So this is something that... Uh, I wanted to share. You can, you know, think about it, study. And if you like, we can discuss it maybe another session. Just for the time being, maybe this much is enough. But it's great spiritual exercise. If you can manage to rise to that level that you look at things in the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at the things. Okay. Now, we want to talk about What steps are there when we want to reflect on the Quran and understand? Maybe we can summarize these steps in this way. The first thing is we should be familiar with the language of the Quran so the first thing that we need is good knowledge of Arabic if someone doesn't know Arabic of course they can use translations they can use actually different translations so that it gives them better understanding but there is nothing like knowing arabic and knowing the same language that Allah has used it's not the same thing so if you can learn arabic and this is something that even arabic speaking people may need to learn. You shouldn't think that because you speak Arabic, then you understand Arabic. Especially, Quranic Arabic is different from today's you know, spoken Arabic. So, if you can spend time on familiarizing yourself with the Quranic Arabic, this is very important. Because then, you would be able to directly Listen to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Many things, unfortunately, are missed in translation. Translation is not maybe even able to uh, give you 20, 30%. If you want to go to deeper layers of the meaning, translation is not, yes, for Surface, superficial understanding, maybe translation is 70%, 80%. But when you want to go deeper, translation doesn't let you to go deeper. There are so many subtle points in the Quran. Even, for example, the words that we think they are synonyms. yeah, They are not, in many cases, most of the cases, actually, they are not 100% synonyms. There are so much differences there. But in translation, you have to just depend on the choice of people. You know, I have seen sometimes the same translator uses one equivalent for one term and in another place, another equivalent. Yes, if you write yourself in English, you can always do that. You say these are synonyms. Sometimes I use this synonym or the other one. But when you are dealing with a text like the Quran, You cannot just use any synonym and then have the liberty of another time using another synonym. You have to find out which of those synonyms match the best and keep only using that. So you have to be able to understand Arabic so well that you can analyze sentences Find what is the structure. What are the words which are used. And what is the role of each word in that sentence. Okay. For example. Is this jomliyya ismiyya or fa'liyya? What is fa'il? What is fa'il? What is maf'ul? What is maf'ul So on and so forth. Uh, around 100 different roles are there for each word in the sentence in arabic there are about 100 choices that you have when you want to form a sentence in nav you understand these hundred we call them awamil different roles that are there in nav and then when it comes to morphology So, either it is jamed or mushtaq. If it is derivative, then there are hundreds of different possibilities of deriving a word from a root. And if it is jamed, then it's not uh, derived from any other thing. So, it's easier. So, we have to be well acquainted with sarf and nah. It's very important. Now that you are learning sarf and naf, please learn it properly. Because otherwise, you cannot benefit from them. You know, I remember when I was in my maybe first few days after going to Qom, uh, our teacher said, learning these rules is like a You know, knowledge that a person who is repairing a car should have. You know, the people who, for example, fix cars, mechanics, uh, sometimes they have to go under the car. Yeah? It's very difficult to come and go. And it's very dark. And then there is a screw. They need a tool, for example, a screwdriver or another tool to open it. So before going under the car, you have to be so familiar with that tools that even without having light, without being able to say, you say to your, uh, you know, assistant, give me tool number four. Give me tool number six or give me that tool. You know, there is no time to come and go or try all of them, you know. And sometimes you may even cause damage. You have to be so well informed and well acquainted with these rules that when you are in the process of analyzing the text, you don't need to go and open your book and find out what is the role of this. What is the structure of this? Is it clear? The more you advance, the less time you would have. Now is the best time for you to study, to do mubahisa, to learn these things. Especially Arabic is something that till end of your life you need, because this is a, a tool, yeah? It's a tool for you. You have to, no. So, please learn these rules, even if they look sometimes boring or, you know, not maybe interesting. Learn them properly. Because this is the way that later you can, inshallah, enjoy understanding Quran, analyzing Hadith, and, you know, drawing many important points from them. In addition to sarf and nahw you have also to learn balagha rhetorics. and this is very important actually the people who are very eloquent the people who either write very good you know pieces or they speak you know and give beautiful speeches, it's not just because of sarf and naf. it's much more than that. Rhetorics, balag. Because there are different ways of saying the same thing and depending on all the subtle points which are there, you have to choose which one is the best for this particular case. Okay? For example, you know, imagine if you are a politician and you want to speak in the parliament. Okay? So you need to know English, but everyone knows English. But there are people who are able to use words in the way that it impresses people. Okay? And there are people who have no impact and there are people who can speak and people hate what they say, you know? Or people feel offended. This is a very important skill to know which words to use, which combination, where to put emphasis, where not to put emphasis. There are so many differences that you can make and you learn this in balaga. Although in sarf can be correct, in naf can be correct, but in balaga they tell you this was not right for this context. For example, whether I should use taqid or not. Emphasis, you know, a very very basic example. In Arabic, we say zaidun qaimun. And we say enna zaydan qa'imun. And we say enna Zaidan la qa'imun. What is the difference? They say if you are speaking to someone who is empty-minded, you can just say zaydan qa'imun. This is standing. If someone has a doubt, it means that he has already a question. So you put a little emphasis. Enna zaydan if that person believes that Zayd is not standing, then you put Enna and Lam. Enna laqa'imun. So depending on that person's doubt or mistaken idea, you add ta'akid. Okay? So there are so many different things that we have to learn in El Mul Of course, I don't want to say that. If you don't know these things, you cannot understand the Qur'an, so don't you know, reflect on the Qur'an. But I'm saying that you can improve your understanding of the Qur'an by learning saf and nahf. Now, especially that you are studying in the hose, so you should know how important is this study for you and how much you can benefit. Because, inshallah, you want to delve into the deeper layers of the meaning of the Qur'an. After that, you have to understand something beyond sarf and naf and balaqah. And that is what is actually meant by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is different. For example, maybe there is a verse which has been abrogated. So from sarf and naf and balaga point of view, the meaning is established. Okay, you establish the meaning, everything is clear. But if you are not familiar with nasikh and mansukh, then you think the ayah which is abrogated is the final ruling of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or for example, we have am and khas. General and specific. In usul al-fiqh, inshallah, you study this. Sometimes there is a general rule, but then there are also exceptions. Sometimes there is mutlaq and muqayyat. There is something which is absolute or something which is confined. If you don't know these things, you cannot understand what is actually meant. Or we have muhkam and Mutashabih. What is Mutashabih? Mutashabih is a text which can be interpreted in different ways and all of them from Sarf and Nahf and Balaga point of view are acceptable. It's not that one of them is mistaken. The text accepts different interpretations and none of them is that strong that would put other interpretations aside. Okay? It's not Zahir. Because in Zahir, there is another interpretation which is possible, but people don't pay attention to it. Inshallah, again, you learn this in Usul. We have Nas, we have Zahir. Both of them are not difficult to deal with. Nas is 100% clear. Zahir, there is a possibility of another interpretation, but the other interpretation is disregarded by common sense. It's very low percentage. So, muhkam and mutashabih. <coughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself says that some of the verses of the Quran are muhkam, من هو متشابهات. Okay? So, you need to know and be aware that some verses of the Quran are متشابه. They can be interpreted in different ways. The only people who know how to understand and how to interpret متشابهات properly are those who know muhkamat and then they try to sh- project the light of muhkamat on mutashabihat, A step by a step. So gradually for you, mutashabihat become less. muhkamat become more. It's a relative issue. For some people, maybe 50-60% of Quran mutashab. For some people, maybe 10%. For some people, maybe 1%. It's nasbi. It's relative. Okay? So... It's very important for you to understand these linguistic rules in usul al-fiqh which tells you how to establish what is actually meant by the speaker or the writer. And when it comes to mutashabihat, in addition to knowing those linguistic rules, you have to be familiar with Quran and the one who has spoken. Because depending on who he has written this, you can understand. You know? If you are familiar with the speaker, you know what he means in such cases. Yeah? You know those who are commentators because they know the personality of the speaker. They know his background, his history, the way he speaks. Okay? So they are able to say when he said this, it means this. Okay? Is clear? Then, the third stage. Of course, these are the stages that uh, I have put them together to make it easy for you. So uh, maybe some people can have different classification. But I think this is a good framework. The third stage is that you put Quranic verses which relate to the same subject together. Because Al-Qur'an yufassiru ba'adhu ba'adhu wa yashhadu ba'adhu ala Some part of the Qur'an interprets another part of the Qur'an. Some part of the Qur'an bears witness over other parts of the Qur'an. For example, if you want to understand when Qur'an was revealed You have to bring all the verses of the Quran about this issue together. In one place, Allah says, al-qadr. Okay. Another place Allah says "Shahr Ramadan fihi al Qur'an. So you realize that Laylatul Qad is in the months of Ramadan. By putting these together. And also Fi laylatan you realize that this is also a blessed night. If you were not familiar, you were not able to establish that Laylatul qad is in the months of Ramadan. Yes? When you put these together, you can establish many things. Or for example, we say اهدنا المستقيم Sarat al أنعمت عليهم Who are anamta عليهم؟ Elsewhere, Allah says, مَنْ يُتَعَلَّهَا وَالرَّسُولِ فَأُولَٰئِكَ مَأَ الَّذِينَ أَنْ أَعْمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّبِهِينَ وَالشُّهَدَاءَ وَالصَّدِّيقِينَ وَالصَّالِحِينَ All the terms of the Qur'an are used in a way that you have a network of notions. Okay? if you are familiar with this notion, this network, then whenever you have problem, in the light of other verses, you can understand. You remember, for example, in the discussion about Muqarrabin, how we try to understand the meaning of Muqarrabin from two verses about Pharaoh's conversation with magicians. They didn't, Look, maybe re- relevant, but it actually helped us a lot. Okay, so you should master these cross references. One of the reasons for Allah's success in Al Mizan was his familiarity with the Quran, he applied. Tafsirul Quran bil Quran. Okay, the method of interpreting the Quran by the Quran. But had he not have great familiarity with the Quran, he was not able to do this. But because he mashallah was very well, you know, informed about the Quran, he was able. And this is also not something that you can do just by index, because sometimes they don't come from the same roots. So you cannot say, okay, uh, it's always like Muqarrabin. So it's from the same word, the same root. And I look in the, for example, al mujamul al-Mufahras or other indexes and I find. Sometimes it's conceptual connection. The word is not repeated. It's the concept. So the next step is to build... Or, it's better to say, to discover different systems that are in the Qur'an. Okay, you understood, for example, what al Sarat-e-Mustaqim. This is only one piece of a puzzle. Try to understand what is Qur'anic system of education. What is Quranic system of economy, Quranic system of politics, Quranic system of, for example, I don't know, social welfare. Because Quran has something to offer with respect to all these different areas of life you have to be so much familiar with the Qur'an on the one hand and the subject on the other hand. Because if you are not familiar with the subject, also you cannot understand the Qur'an. Someone who has never thought about you know, education and has not been you know, experienced in education cannot understand Qur'anic model of education. But... You have also to be very familiar with the Quran because sometimes there are very subtle points. Only a person who is very careful and very insightful can discover these jewelries. Sometimes one ayah that looks irrelevant, you no? Know? Because it's not that, for example, the ayah has the heading of education. (laughs) Maybe that ayah is something about, something, I don't know, between Ibrahim and Namrud. Between Musa and Khizr. For example, Imam Khomeini says, in the conversation between Musa and Khizr there are 20 adabs that you can learn. 20 etiquettes that you can learn from that. Who understands this? If if someone is not thinking about these things, (laughs) he cannot discover this. Someone who has spent his life on these issues, then he would be able to discover. So, we should not be satisfied unless we reach this point that at least for my personal life, I know what the Quran teaches me as a package. What is Quranic package for my business? What is Quranic package for my family relations? My community relations? No one should be satisfied unless he can understand this much from the Quran. But if you are alim, then you have to... Go even further. You have to be able to find answers from the Quran for humanity. Yeah? With all the new issues which come up. We have to always go back to the Quran and find the solution. Allah is not going to send any new revelation. Whatever we need for our guidance is in the Quran. Who is going to discover Someone from Mars is coming. No. Me and you have to do this. Okay, so we have to qualify ourselves. We have to work hard. We shouldn't be satisfied with little understanding, with little knowledge. Okay, I stop here. Inshallah, we continue discussion. Inshallah, next session. Wa da'wana and alhamdulillah, Rabbil